0: Latvia Weekly interviews with Joe Horgan and Otto Taublins. Lobdien Vizium and welcome to a very special interview episode of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am Joe Horgan, one of your regular hosts of the normal podcast where we talk about the news and what's happening in Latvia throughout the week. Um, but from time to time, we like to do interviews with some very interesting people throughout the country doing some interesting work. And uh, Mr. Carlos Strapes, who is not seated next to me in person. So I'm in Yelgova here in my glorious living room. And uh, Carlos is in his glorious living room in Riga in his uh, brand new apartment. So congratulations on your uh, big move, Carlos.
1: Thank you. I'm actually in my glorious office, not my ah. glorious living room. The living room is next to the office.
0: I see. That's right. So uh, any anyway, um, so so Carlos, uh, a lot of you who have listened to or watched the show before will recognize him because he has, uh, helped us out many times with uh, his very good analysis. Um, But for those of you who have lived in Latvia longer, you recognize him as a very well-known media personality. So somebody who has worked in um, all kinds of journalism and and media before. And uh, Carlos, I want to start out with a kind of a funny little story um, that I've not told you before. So um, sometimes my students, so my my high school students, uh, might be listening right now. Uh, They they listen to the show from time to time. And uh, a few of them came up to me at graduation, and they said, you know, we're really impressed by how well uh, Carlos speaks in English. I was like, why, why is that? They're like, well, you know, because he's kind of from, you know, like the older generation. I was like, uh, don't, don't you guys know that he was born in America? They're like, what? Really? He was born in America? So it, it's kind of interesting because um, I think... You know, a a lot of the older um, generations, you know, people who have been here um, longer, you know, uh, they they have this association with you as, you know, someone who was born in America. But um, the younger generation apparently doesn't quite so much anymore. So does that does that surprise you?
1: No, I don't suppose so. I mean, I I mentioned that from time to time uh, on my television show in one context or another. um, And uh, I'm sure everybody who has ever met me in person knows that I am from America <laughs> but uh I I guess uh, I can't expect now the radio and television council has just recently declared that my show Valley's Strip is meant for um, adolescents and children mm. so mm. you can tell your high school students that it's uh, appropriate for them and they should start watching and eventually they will hear me saying that I am an American
0: Yes, well, I, I will I will um, definitely recommend it because it is a very good show. So for those of you who haven't um, seen the show before, I, I kind of think of it um, almost as like the Latvian version of like John Oliver or, or, or something like that. W- would you agree it's kind of like a humorous look at the news, you know, as, as like a late night show? Not, not okay. quite the same.
1: They're not quite the same. I, I wish I had John Oliver's writers, because I am not a, an instinctively humorous person. And it's also true that I often talk about things that don't really lend themselves easily to, to uh, any kind of humor. Um, today, for example, is 25 years since the end of the massacre at Srebrenica in, during the Bosnian Wars. Um, I would imagine that somebody like John Oliver would know how to tell that story in an easier way, Um, not necessarily making fun of it. But, you know, I had to do it straight. I had to do it just there was this massacre and, and so forth and so on.
0: Yeah. So you, you've really kind of run the gamut. You've gone from, you know, on, on one hand, you know, you've done Eurovision, you've done, you know, hosting Eurovision, which is as goofy and silly as it can possibly get. And then, you know, you've also worked for, you know, the, um, you know, more serious news services as well. And, you know, kind of more serious journalism. Um, what, what's your favorite thing to do when it comes to media? Do you, do you like the less serious stuff? Do you like the more serious stuff? Or do, do you just enjoy everything?
1: Um, I basically enjoy everything. I mean, for many, many, many years, I had a journalism roundtable ta- uh, show on Latvian public television, which was me and three other journalists yakking about the news. Um, I have hosted radio shows, including one where I would talk uh, to guests, but also to to listeners, and sometimes only to listeners. Uh, I have um, on Latvian television I did Eurovision I've, I've, uh, I have I've did a, a game show about finances <laughs> for once even though very few people in the world know less about finances than I do um, I did a show for I think six weeks about just when Latvia was preparing to um, accede to the European Union about what that would mean so I've done a great many different things and, and to be honest I've enjoyed all of them I, I love doing my show right the, the show that I doing right now. I've been doing it for more than four years. I'm well over a thousand episodes. I haven't run out of things to say. There are mornings when it's difficult for me to find something to talk about for 12 or 13 minutes, but I always find something.
0: Now, uh, speaking of talking to listeners, so I just found this out recently. Uh, do I understand correctly that you used to be the host of Breivice Microphones on um, Latvius L- L- Radio?
1: That was me. That was the That was the show where I talked to people.
0: So, so for for those of you who have not listened to Latvia's radio via speaker device microphones, which if you are learning Latvian, it is a very interesting way to learn some uh, interesting phrases. Basically, anybody can call in and say just about anything when they want. It means open, like open microphone or free, like free free mic or um, exactly. open mic. yeah, open mic. I guess is how we'd say it in English. Um, so, but, but from what I was, um, reading, so, so nowadays when you listen to brief ice microphones, people call in, say their piece and people call in with some pretty strange and interesting ideas. Um, but, but, but you, you used to kind of get into it with, um, with, with listeners a little bit from, from what I understand.
1: I did. And I did primarily because, uh, at the time when, when I was doing the show, there was no way to tell who was calling. Mm-hmm. Um, Number identification systems, of course, existed, and in fact, the studio where I did my show got one about two weeks after after uh, my show was canceled. Um, but there would be people who would call in. There was one guy in particular who would start his his uh, his thing with, "I have the right to talk as long as I want to," and I would say no and push the button.
0: Wow, that's to cut a off. So, <laughs> so, so you you are your own call screener then at the same time.
1: Well, it had it had to be that kind of thing. I mean, I I got into to trouble once when uh, a woman call asked and why the if I can say so faggot Strapes is not in jail next to so and so and so and so and my reply was you know oh God. You goat-like women, like, and then I named two specific women from the Latvian National Front, which is a semi-fascist kind of uh, organization, and they yeah. sued me for libel, and we had to go all the way to the Supreme Court before the Supreme Court said that it, it was an opinion. Um, the word "goat" is not vulgar, and they made me pay. They made them pay me 200 lots uh, for court fees, and me being me, I they are also. Radically homophobic, so I do- donated the money to uh, Mosaica, which is the LGBT organization here in Latvia, in their name.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's definitely a uh, a very nice uh, nice uh, gesture of you, and uh, and a great way to troll the uh, National Front as well. Um, but I, I I have to ask though, because my least favorite part of being a teacher, you know, is is not you know the you know hours or this or that or anything. It's it's dealing with um, let's say. Hmm, 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 Less than agreeable students and teachers, and basically that you know show your Brevi's microphones. You're dealing with you know disagreeable people every day. Did that just suck so much energy out of you, or or did you kind of enjoy kind of arguing? Because I'm also the kind of person who likes to to argue a bit. But but that I can just imagine might might get exhausting if you're if you're doing that. Um, so oh,
1: no, 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 not at all. I mean, it, it, Brevi's microphones was half an hour mm-hmm. um, at most. Um, and I, I got a kick out of it. I mean, they, I, I like to argue. I like to debate. Um, I like to uh, to tell people when they're being stupid. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that, I, I can't say that that um, that drained me. Um, if I started to be too harsh, my producer would kick me under the table. Um, but that didn't happen very often. She was usually giggling.
0: Yeah. Now, um, wh- one thing that people ask me quite a bit about, and one thing that they want us to do in Latvia weekly sometime, and which I've been, you know, it's, it's been it's been on the back burner for a very very long time, is to do kind of an analysis of the Latvian media landscape and to get into you know who owns the different media companies and, and this and that. Um, but but along with that, uh, a lot of times we get asked, you know, in terms of uh, how free would you say is is the Latvian um, uh, me- media in terms of being able to you know uh in, in terms of freedom of press in terms of being able to say what you want have you ever felt pressure that you have to go you know c- cancel a certain story that you're you know that you want to talk about or or anything like that have you ever felt pressure from you know anyone above or you know um sure. no
1: no yeah. um, as, as to the broader question uh latvia's media system is uh with with very few exceptions very 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 free um, one exception is the radio and television council which is has members appointed by parliament which means that it is automatically a politicized institution and recently this council has been coming up with astonishingly stupid decisions such as to stop broadcasting in russian on ltv mm-hmm. seven at the beginning of next year which is which is to me says go ahead russian propaganda do your worst um the the problem for latvian media is not a lack of freedom it is to a very large extent a lack of professionalism and uh... that you know newspapers are are sinking in latvia like they are sinking all over the world but uh still they have their audience and there really is not a professional newspaper in Latvia that is a professional in the western sense of the word um the only print publication in Latvia which adheres to the western understanding of what journalism is is the magazine ir mm-hmm. um, and in television the the shows de facto and nothing personal uh the latvian rad- radio latvia news service is fairly professional Aletta, the news agency, is fairly professional, um, but the newspapers are all uh, biased to one extent or another. Um, Nat Kudiga for net, for ironically named Independent. Uh, the word means independent, which is ironic in this case because um, it is controlled by the Vanspils oil oil interests. And you will never ever 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 find a single suggestion in that paper that Ivar Lembeks, the ultra corrupt mayor of Vanspils, might be gu- guilty of anything. Mm-hmm um latvia filters absolutely everything through the perspective of ethnic nationalism um Diana used to be a very serious hard-hitting paper it was bought by oligarchs and completely neutralized it doesn't know what it is anymore um so but then of course there's td24 which is the height of professionalism and probity and all good things mm-hmm
0: But uh, but yeah but uh, unfortunately there's no uh, news uh, like a separate news service from what I understand at TV24. There's um, you know very good TV shows but but the only from what I understand now the only official news services in terms of TV are um, uh, TV3 and then um, LTV now. Um, But but is there is there any plan to change that in the future? Is TV24 thinking of?
1: Um, TV24 initially did do a newscast every evening. Um, the problem is that producing a newscast is a very, very expensive, time-consuming, and human resource-consuming kind of piece of business, and um, uh, it, it, it requires a very different skill set than than to produce a series of talk shows and and that kind those kinds of um, programs. Uh, you need a dedicated film crews to go out and film stories. You need dedicated reporters to go out and report the stories. Um, it is by no means as easy as it looks.
0: Yeah, certainly not. I mean, you know, whenever you talk to anybody who's involved in it, or if you ever see behind the scenes, the amount of work that goes on is uh, really pretty stunning. Um, I myself
1: used to, to work as a reporter and a news anchor in America before I came to Latvia. That
0: I actually did not know. That, that was in uh, Chicago?
1: No, um, I, I was graduated from Northern Illinois University, and the next morning, I st- the next day after graduation, I started my job in Harrisburg, Illinois, which is in the very, 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 very south of Illinois, and is more southern than northern. Mm-hmm. Um, Nine thousand people. Um, I learned way more about soybeans during the two years I was there than I ever thought I would. Uh, I would need. Um, But I was fortunate. Uh, Out of my graduating class of 22 people, only two of us found jobs in television, and in my case, the professor had taken a shine to me. So he flew me down for my job interview in his own personal little plane and then flew me back to DeKalb, uh, to DeKalb where the university was. And, and like I said, the day after graduation, I started to work there. Um, two years later, I found a, a similar job of um, reporting and anchoring at the ABC affiliate in Topeka, Kansas, which was closer to the idea of a city for me than, than Harrisburg was. Um, and then from Topeka, I moved to Latvia.
0: Yeah, so um, as, as you grew up, from what I understand, though, you were a pretty active member of the Latvian-American community, though.
1: Yeah, um, I had no choice in the matter. Uh, we, we only spoke Latvian at home. When I appeared in kindergarten at the age of five, it was as a small child who not only did not speak English, but spoke a language that the teacher, Miss Green, had never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And um, she, she chastised my mother and said, the kid is an American, you need to speak English. My mom smiled politely. Uh, but we kept speaking Latvian at home. I mean, there were Latvian Saturday schools and Sunday schools and summer schools. There was Latvian folk dancing and Latvian Boy Scout group. My piano teacher was a Latvian um, so most of my friends were were Latvians now. Uh, Two things that I want to say about that. Um, Kids in in the school I went to didn't find this peculiar. They they didn't really understand what a Latvian was. And and when I said Carlos, they often heard Carlos and said I didn't look like a Puerto Rican. But the specific was that this was in a suburb of Chicago where like 90% of the students were Jewish. So they also went to Saturday school, and they also had their individual festivals and holidays. So my Latvian Saturday school and, and festivals didn't, um, didn't faze anybody. But the other thing is, in retrospect, I am very, very thankful to my parents that they insisted that I grow up as a Latvian for the simple reason that that meant that when I arrived here in 1989, I could hit the ground running Mm -hmm. and 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 start taking part in the work of the people's front and and you know lots and lots and lots of of different uh, different things that I did during that first year which of course I wouldn't have been able to do if if I did not speak Latvian and there are lots and lots and lots of people in my generation whose parents decided indeed the kid is an American and so he needs to speak English and doesn't need to learn Latvian
0: yeah, one, one of our um, uh, close friends of the show, somebody who's, you know, been on the show quite a few times before, Mr. Chris Aachenfeld, who, a shout out if you're listening right now, um, in Cambodia, he grew up in Australia, and and yeah, his dad decided not to teach him any Latvian whatsoever, and also a lot of um, people, even my age, you know, their their parents decided not to teach them Latvian. Um, or, on the other hand, you know, some of them tried to resist as much as possible, and then decided they wanted to come to Latvia later in life, and then kind of regretted that they didn't, you know, take it a little bit more seriously, so...
1: Yeah. A good example is my my oldest sister's son, who's, as a matter of fact, today is his 26th birthday, and I know he's not watching, but just in case, (laughs) Alex, happy birthday. Uh, He grew up, uh, his father was an American, and while he was growing up, he had no interest whatsoever in the Latvian language. But uh, when he was a teenager, he started to complain to his mom about, well, why didn't you teach me more of this language? And and he started to gradually learn. And she and he were here um, for the uh, 18th of November in 2018 for the centennial. Mm-hmm. And he did he did quite well in shops and and um, and, and you know. It, informal conversation um his father was african-american so he is fairly exotic looking for a a latvian boy (laughs) and um you know people were pleasantly surprised to find him um speaking latvian so it's never too late to learn
0: definitely not if if i can if i can kind of make it through well enough to be able to get my uh test passed then then any anyone can literally anyone can because because in america as you can um probably attest uh america is not the um uh, greatest of, um, of uh, how, how do I say this? We, we, we do not value learning second languages or foreign languages um, as, as much as in um, a lot of other places in the world, especially because here in Latvia, it's amazing. I mean, everybody I know um, can speak, you know, at least Latvian, Russian, and, and English, you know, and then, you know, for like Otto is, you know, nuts, he can do German and French and Italian and all this other stuff. Um, but um, but uh, anyway, um, what, one, one thing I've, I was curious to find out uh, because a lot of people who grew up in the Latvian community in America, when they came to Latvia, they found that the language was a bit different, um, and that the Latvian that people you know still speak in America is kind of locked in amber, you know, in the 1930s, because you know that's kind of when people started uh, you know m- moving over in droves um, due, due to the lead up to the war and then the 40s, uh, and then when they came back to Latvia, people were kind of confused and thinking, you know, what, well, why, why is he talking like that? Did you have any experiences like that when you first started? Coming back to Latvia.
1: Um, it's not so much a matter of spoken Latvian, what you're referring to, that is written Latvian, which which they did indeed freeze in the 1939 version and there are various issues related to diacritical markings and stuff that I won't go into because that will be boring for an American audience, but they still do it that way while Latvia during the Soviet occupation changed those things and and is different. Um, In that regard, I personally think Latvia has been independent now for 30 years and has absolutely every Right to specify what is correct and what is incorrect uh, written Latvian, but mm-hmm. I write a commentary for the emigrate Latvian newspaper, likes um, every week. I write it in proper Latvian, and then one of their editors puts it back into the style that that, that you know the the, the old style. Mm-hmm. Um, as to spoken Latvian, I mean there were we needed to come up with our own terminology in Latvian in the United States for new things that were were appearing, and so um... we called the television set a televisia whereas here they call it a televisors and televisia is the process of broadcasting um, we call the bathroom "bāndasistaba," which is uh, which is um, a direct translation of bathroom. Um, the first time I was at a party in Latvia, the first year I lived here, and I asked for the bāndasistaba. They they looked at me with very peculiar, with a very peculiar look, and said, "You want to take a bath now because <laughs> the bath was in a different room than the toilet." Um, yeah, they, yeah. What I was looking for was called the "tuolite." Um but generally speaking, it took me about five minutes uh, with the Latvian language specialist to understand that the way that I was taught Latvian grammar in in the summer school in in uh, Michigan was all for the cats I mean we were talking about uh roots and roots and blah 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 and she said if the word ending is i e t that is the command expression long and short of it and so uh, i I very quickly picked up um You know, I learned the local terminology, I guess I I have to say. Um, One thing that happened during that first year was that my friends taught me all of the rude words in Russian, primarily so that uh, they could laugh at how I pronounced them. Mm -hmm. But here is an absolute truth. When you hit your nail with a hammer, there are things to say in English, in German, in French, in Russian, and not in Latvian. Mm -hmm. Latvia is not good at swear words.
0: That's true, yeah. Because I, all of my friends, um, yeah, they they also ta- you know taught me the uh, the Russian swears, or so they just used the uh, the English uh, swears as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that that's um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of different experiences in terms of you know um, uh, how how difficult it was to kind of adopt to the you know the Latvian instead of the, uh, the 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 American Latvian. Um, what, what what about with Russian? Have you um have have you been able to um uh, become uh, you know, uh, fa- fairly competent in Russian as well, because a, a lot of, um, yeah, a, a, a lot of the, um, you know, the uh, second generation uh, Latvians who grew up in the UK or Australia or America, I know, you know, who speak perfect, you know, Latvian, they, they're they're not, um, you know, able to do Russian. I, I, I also have absolutely um, nothing. I'm sure you're much more competent than me. Um,
1: um, well, I, I, you know, I've been here long enough that sometimes when people are speaking Russian around me, I can pick up certain words that tell me, a little bit about what they're talking about. But I would say I probably know about 200 words in Russian and need no more because I am not living in Russia. Yeah. If I were living in Russia, I would speak fluent Russian. But I am not living in Russia. I am living in a country which is the subject of Russian pro- endless Russian propaganda. And so I have no need for the Russian language whatsoever.
0: And that was actually one of the next topics I wanted to mention, um, this this issue of Russian propaganda. I wanted to get your take on it as a journalist, uh, because one issue which we've talked about in the show quite a few times before uh, is this um, debate over what to do with Russian media uh, channels. You know, for example, the first Baltic channel or Russia Today or these different or I guess it's called RT now. Uh, there's a bunch of Russian um, channels or, or media outlets, some of which are directly controlled by the Russian government, some which are de facto controlled by the Russian government or controlled by friends of the Russian government and don't say anything about it. Um, and and this is one thing that Otto and I kind of go back and forth on quite a bit. And, you know, what 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 should be done? You know, should there be um or, or not necessarily just audio and i but but there's a lot of different opinions about this um you know should they be completely blocked altogether should they be um you know sh- should there just be a lot of um competition to them from homegrown media like for example ltv7 um how how do you see this what what should be done about these channels which are you know pushing a um you know very biased uh you know point that's um uh, contrary to latvia's national interests
1: well, first of all, most of these channels tend to be registered someplace in Europe where, where free speech uh, rules are, are rather different than they are in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, as, to, as to these channels in Latvia, um, to me... You know, the the Radio and Television Council um, just today, yesterday, announced that it was going to be restricting one of uh, the RT channels, RTR, or Russia Today RTR, um, for hate speech in relation to things that it has said about Ukraine and the former president of Ukraine, Poroshenko. you know the the problem is that, that they can issue their ban, but it is not incumbent on privately owned cable television operators to uh, to take the ban into account, and usually they don't. Um, secondly, uh, Baltcom, which is the second largest uh, television provider in Latvia, announced that next month it is taking off the Russian television channel Dodge, uh, supposedly because it has falling audience numbers. Doj is one of the very very few remaining independent electronic news media in russia um, Russia has squeezed it to the point where its entire operation is currently in a small apartment in the center of Moscow. Um, but this certainly sends the absolutely incorrect signal on the part of Baltcom. It is a commercial enterprise, it is free to do whatever it wants, but it is stupid to do that. And partnered with the decision that I already mentioned to cancel Russian language broadcasts on LTV7, um, it's almost as if Latvia doesn't want to do anything about this propaganda. And the other problem with these channels is that, apart from the shows which cause these kinds of problems, which are primarily talk shows in which people are allowed to say really, really radical things, these channels have entertainment programming. And and because Russia has, has deep pockets, it is of a much, much, much higher quality than anything that local television stations in Latvia can really produce. And so a lot of people will say, well, I watch that channel because it has good comedies and it has variety shows and, it, and such and such. I don't pay attention to the propaganda. Um, so it, it's a very complicated issue. What is clear is that Latvia needs to provide an alternative to this, and it has signally failed in doing anything of that type.
0: Yeah, um and I I was also um I, I had the same reaction as you when I heard that uh you know LTV7's Russian language um you know uh, uh content was being uh defunded, I guess you could say. Um but uh, I I, I kind of see it as um though, you know, if you you know straight out block them or you know through whichever means, you know through through either legal means or you know not um you know there th- there's there's some different reasons why you know different channels have been blocked for different um amounts of time. Uh, it just kind of makes them seem more, I don't know, desirable, you know, like you always want to kind of see the, um, you know, w- whatever your parents are hiding from you, you know, like it, it seems like the most interesting thing. And I think it kind of plays into their narrative that, you know, there if it was all a bunch of nonsense, if it's all just a bunch of propaganda, then why don't they want you to see it? You know, I don't know. Do 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 you, do you, um, I don't know, do do, do you have...
1: Yeah, it, it is, as, as the Latvians say, a stick with two ends. I mean, there are arguments on, on both on banning and not banning, and, and the truth is somewhere, somewhere in between. Um, the bottom line, one of the bottom lines here is that the, those who are most subject to this kind of propaganda are people who are elderly and will soon die. Um, middle-aged people in Latvia and particularly young people in Latvia don't buy into this kind of nonsense and no propaganda when they see it, and so this this is a, I think a problem that's going to die out gradually on its own.
0: Mm-hmm. We will we 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 will see. Um, on that kind of note, you know, talking about um, you know the younger generations kind of coming up and the older generations dying out. So you have basically lived through Latvia's entire second period of, of, of independence you know um, and, and a little bit before that as well you, you were very active um, you know especially like like you mentioned in the popular front on the in the in the media uh, office and then and then you've been here pretty much the entire time what what are some of the things that you've noticed have changed the most about Latvia this is a very kind of vague question I, I don't know maybe in terms of of culture, I mean, obviously, the you know the buildings have been renovated and this and that, and you know, but but uh, but not very many buildings,
1: <laughs> not, and certainly not all buildings, <laughs>
0: well, at least in the center of Riga. I don't know, and 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 here in Yelgova we we've had some nice renovation, but um, but 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 what what have you kind of um, you know, if you think back to you know when you first came here in the late eighties, you know, w- what has changed the most, I guess.
1: Um, I I think I would summarize it by saying that Latvia has grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that for the first five, six, seven years after the restoration of independence, um, it was very much a Wild West situation in the national economy. People grabbed what they could grab, those who were in the know grabbed what they could grab. Organized crime was everywhere, offering, you know, protection services and and whatnot. And sometime in the mid-1990s, um, the Latvian governments realized that its, its future lay with the European Union, and that that meant that it had to become much more serious about how the country was run. Um, the Anti-Corruption Bureau was set up with tears and snot, as the Latvians say, because the politicians really didn't want an anti-corruption agency. Um, But particularly since Latvia joined the European Union and NATO, it has been forced to accept much broader standards, more and more specific standards about things like corruption and and things like that. Um, The the extent to which Latvia takes those into account is another matter and a, a subject for a longer discussion. But the other thing is that Riga, um, for the first couple of years that I lived here, every year I went back to America and said to my sisters, one more year and then that's it, that's it, that's it. Hmm. But sometime in the mid-90s, Riga turned, in my eyes, turned into a city in which a person who grew up in Chicago could live. Um, You know, a, 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 a proper, proper, proper city. And... Um, when one, one thing that happened was uh, during those first years I lived here was that foodstuffs from America started to appear in shops. And in one specific case, in one random shop, they had Philadelphia cream cheese. And I was so excited about this that, I, you know, I bought two, two, two of those little cartons and then thought, what can I do to make sure that when they sell this out, they'll buy some more? So I contacted a foodie magazine and I said, here's this new stuff, Philadelphia cream cheese. Would you like me to make some stuff with it and then bring it over and you can take pictures of it and I'll tell you what it is and what to do with it? And they said, sure. So for about a year and a half, I introduced new American foodstuffs to um, the the people of Latvia. But uh, you know, in 19, 1989, when I was first living here, um, potato chips were like these long things, and I and 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 not really chippy. Um, ketchup came from Bulgaria. Um, we didn't have Coke; we had Pepsi. And no one had yet discovered that if you put water in a cold place for a while, it becomes hard and can be put in drinks to make them colder. Um, It it took a while for for those kinds of things to to develop, but now we have a bagel shop. Sometime in the foreseeable future, we're going to get a Burger King, so Ah, all is well. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I love
0: how one of the top things you mentioned is that there was only Pepsi, not Coke, as you know, because uh, in in America you, you can attest to this. We are very um, uh, touchy about our soft drinks and and about our fast food as well. And you know, we we have our little. Uh, did, did you ever, by the way, did you ever get a sponsorship deal with uh, Kraft for the uh, big uh, action that you did with Philadelphia? Because I'm, I'm sure they're very grateful no. for you.
1: No, no, but um, but the the substance in Latvian is now known as Philadelphia CS, so.
0: Well, there you go. So, so that that's another one of your uh, many contributions to uh, to Latvian society. Then, that, uh
1: yeah. And the reason it was Pepsi and not Coke was geopolitical. Pepsi was centered in Canada, and Coke was centered in the United States.
0: Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize that. Um, so, so yeah. So then R- Riga kind of became home for you eventually, and uh, I, I, I guess. Um, Kind of as a as a philosophical question. The, 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 this is something that a lot of um, you know. For example, I you know I'm Irish American, quote unquote. I'm, I'm here with a uh, you know an Irish passport technically, actually. But I I um, am one of the worst Irish citizens of the world because I uh, you know if I took a basic test about Ireland, I would um, you know not do very well. I mean, I, I could I could pass the Latvian citizenship test pretty easily, but the you know if I had to pass the Irish citizenship test, it would be it would be um, it would be pretty bad. But um how, I, I, I guess uh, you know how, how much um, American do you consider yourself? Kind of uh, you know, do you do you, do do you, do you feel American? Because I, I, a lot of the second generation, you know, Latvians I you know talk to, um, you know, they they say no, they completely feel Latvian. They feel like you know some connection with America. You know, it's the place they were born, but they don't feel American anymore. But but uh, but how how American do you feel?
1: Absolutely, I feel like an American. I, I think in English. I pray in English. I write my diary in English. Um, I am unquestionably an American, and uh, the fact that I'm an American has has really helped me with my career here in Latvia. In the sense that um, I could teach people that you don't have to be reticent in your approach in journalism; you can speak your mind. And uh, uh, you know, I'm absolutely also a Latvian. I grew up as a Latvian kid. I am a Latvian patriot. I get all weepy every time I hear the national anthem. Um, I salute the flag, but uh, I am as much an American as, as I am a Latvian, and that will always be true. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's something that's always interesting to kind of hear, um, you know, when it comes to this, because it's a, you know, it's it's a um, sensitive issue, but, but it's also, I think, something that's uh, worth discussing. Um, one kind of last thing I want to talk about before we kind of start to wrap up. Um, so you have a lot of different hats, as we've talked, you know, in terms of your many different things that you've done in journalism and uh, in media. But another thing which I uh, understand is that you've also done quite a bit of translation work as well. Mm hmm and uh, i i kind of wanted to hear um a little bit about that because i have done a tiny bit of translation you know just kind of helping colleagues with uh this and that and it is always um you know very challenging even if it's a short little text if just you know trying to translate um you know some some notice board or you know something like that uh because you know the question is always how much of the original you know authentic exact you know way that they said it do you want to do you want to keep and then also um you know, how much do you want it to kind of sound like a native speaker actually wrote it and, you know, in the second language. So, um, for, 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 first of all, how, how did you start out with um, with translation and, and um, yeah, it, 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 when, when did you first kind of start out doing, the, you know, the translations of the books and everything like that? And then, um, you know, what, what, what's the biggest uh, challenging thing for you about it?
1: Mm -hmm. um i started during the first year that i lived here because lots of people suddenly found out that there was this american in their midst and so if they needed something translated into english that was pretty much default me um that was back in the age of floppy disks and and i had a macintosh computer and and all that kind of stuff um uh, what i will say is and and I've always uh, been a translator. In fact, uh, it's just been during the last year or so that, that my translating client numbers had started to ebb. One very major translating client in particular disappeared, and that's why I had to move to a smaller apartment. Um, COVID-19 has not helped. Uh, you know, I, A lot of my clients are advertising agencies, and they don't have clients, so they don't have anything to send to me to translate. Um, but the main thing that I want to say about translation as such, there are actually two things. Um, it is easier for me to translate from Latvian to English than the other way around for the simple fact that English is a much, 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 much bigger language mm-hmm. than Latvian is. Um, Latvian linguists always uh, sneer at me when I say that, but I always point out to them that this is the English-Latvian dictionary and this is the Latvian-English dictionary, for one thing. And if they need examples, I will point out to them that in Latvian there are there is no word for fun. And there is no word for frustrated, both of which are emotions which Latvians should feel very intensively. But the main thing I want to say about translation is that you need to come to the recognition that you are not translating words, you are translating ideas. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you realize that your primary function is to say in the other language the same thing that was said in the first language conceptually, it will be much easier for you Um, for example, many Latvian sentences start with the word lie, um, in the sense of if this is going to happen. Um, you realize that the, the subject of the sentence is somewhere towards the end, and then you, you bring it up. It's even worse with German, German, German messes up word order to, you know, something ridiculous. Um, but once you realize that you are translating the idea and not so much the words and the syntax, it becomes easier.
0: Yeah, I I um I I will leave that for much um more clever people than me though to, to do the hardcore translation work. I have a lot of um lot of respect send, for people. Send them, like you. send them to me. Okay, I, I will I will do that. Um, but the uh the very last thing I would like to do before we uh go before we wrap up. Uh, so I I have this glorious map of latvia from 1936 i think uh behind me and w- one thing that we've been talking about in the last couple of episodes are places to visit this summer in latvia because a lot of people um you know would like to go somewhere it's summer it's the time to travel but cannot leave latvia for for various reasons um you know specifically the uh, pandemic situation uh so so w- what are some places that you would recommend uh that uh, people visit here in latvia what are, what are some places that you um have liked to visit
1: um, I am the wrong person to ask this because I grew up in a city that has more people in it than the three Baltic states put together and I am a sworn urbane kind of person who mm. thinks that the, there is one good thing that can be said about the countryside and that is that it is possible to return to the city from it. <laughs> so um, insofar as I have been elsewhere in Latvia, it has almost always been, uh, you know, Job related to go do a television show someplace or or or, or, or deliver a lecture or, or whatever um, I, I I am sure that there are lovely, lovely, lovely places all over Latvia and in fact, I can um, recommend uh, Sigulda in general terms and the Gutmana Ala cave in particular, where uh, student fraternity people have been engraving their names on the walls since the nineteenth century. Um, But that's about the long and the short of it about what I know about um, countryside Latvia.
0: Well, well, Riga is a wonderful place to visit as well. So as a sworn urbanite, what would be some things that you'd recommend people do if they visit Riga or if they stay in Riga? Because there's so much to see in Riga. It's a huge city
1: yeah I mean there there's something for everyone isn't there if you're an architecture lover Riga is it's absolute paradise I have always wondered and and not understood how it how it happened that Riga basically came through the two world wars basically unscathed um, you know Yalgaba, where you live was just completely wiped off the face of the map um, that didn't really happen in Riga in the Art Nouveau district at any rate all those buildings are are still there Um Lat- Riga is particularly attractive during the season for fans of classical music because that is an area in which Latvia excels and punches way, way, way above its weight class. Um, there are, uh, uh, you can take uh, trips up and down the, the river and the, um, the bay and we have a nice zoo. Um, you can go up in various tall buildings and, and see the surroundings. Um, there are nice little neighborhoods in Riga, like Agenskons and, and the, the Miraela hipster region. So there's lots to see. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, you never really know that, that much about your own hometown, but, um, there, there it is. There's certainly stuff to do. Um, the the average tourist who arrives in Latvia is probably on a package tour, which means that he will also be in Lithuania and Estonia and maybe Sweden and maybe you know whatever. And will spend just a couple of times, uh, a couple of days here, in which case he or she will probably basically see Old Riga. Um, but Old Riga is very charming. I have always thought that vehicular traffic should be banned in Old Riga altogether, and then it would be even more charming. But Old Riga is charming
0: it certainly is yeah there's there's a many great places i I want to mention actually as a uh Kind of a nice rooftop you can go to, um, you know, somewhere that you've probably gone to the top of before. There's a shopping center called uh, Galleria Riga, which is on uh, Zernovuella, and uh, you can go up there. We, like, p- people usually actually take, you know, like, w- when people come to visit the university, we usually take people up there because there's this wonderful um, panoramic uh, view of the entire city on top of it, and you can go up there for basically free. And there's even some, you know, uh, r- uh, restaurants and everything up there, a few, few cafes. So, so you, yep. so you can do that.
1: <laughs> Dinner up there. Even an even better place to look at the panorama is from the the top floor of the Hotel Latvia, which used to be the in-tourist hotel in Soviet times where all the uh, Westerners had to stay so that the KGB could spy on them, and but now it's been renovated. Um, the cocktails up there are ridiculously overpriced, but the views cannot be beat. I, I,
0: I will take your word for that. I've never been up there because I assumed that the cocktails were uh, ridiculously overpriced. But...
1: And there are, there are parts up there on that floor that you can visit for free and look at the pretty scenery without having to buy an overpriced cocktail.
0: I I have to get around to doing that at some point, finally, after living here for, for almost seven years, so... Anyway, Carlos, thank you so much for taking your time and, and being here today. You will be back very soon, hopefully, um, commentating with us. Uh, you know, we uh, have a little bit of a chaotic schedule, as uh, listeners of the show know, because we are in the summer, and both Otto and I are kind of all over the place right now with, with family and, and, and different things going on. Um, but uh, we will be back uh, very soon with another regular episode, also a look at the Riga City Council election. So please go to the Lot Me Weekly Facebook page and subscribe there and uh, you can get stories of the day every day. And until next time, visalabu, VCM. Take care.
1: Visalabu.